Welcome to Stork Storytime Talks with the North Liberty Library. Are you expecting or thinking of starting a family? If so, this podcast is for you. Delivering literacy one topic at a time. This episode is sponsored by Mercy Iowa City. We invite you to like and subscribe to our Talks podcast wherever you listen. I'm Jen, and today we're talking with Megan Meyer, a legislative advocate and board member for Cure CMD, co-host of the Two Rare Mama Bears podcast, and most importantly, a mom. Megan will be sharing with us her thoughts and ideas that parents or caregivers can use when they begin to notice a child might have developmental delays. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks for having me. First of all, can you tell us what CMD is? Absolutely. CMD is an acronym that we use for congenital muscular dystrophy. So congenital muscular dystrophies represent a group of diseases causing muscle weaknesses at birth. Uh, There are several defined genetic mutations that cause muscles to break down faster than they can repair or grow. And a person with CMD may have various neurological or physical impairments. Some may never gain the ability to walk, while others lose the ability to lose the ability to walk as they grow older. For us, um, our daughter Lily or Lillian, we call her Lily. Uh, we started noticing delays with her when she was six months old. Uh, we started seeking. A diagnosis with her pediatrician about nine months and then long story short we were on a diagnostic journey with her that spanned two and a half years two hospitals in two states and she was finally diagnosed at three years old so uh, what daily life now with her type of congenital muscular dystrophy which is um, sepin one selenoprotein is the genetic defect that is affected for her um, is that she's got multiple pieces of adaptive equipment in our home uh, multiple pieces of respiratory equipment we've got a wheelchair uh, we have a bipap she wears at night she has an iep at school an individualized education plan um, she has hearing aids she has glasses um, her nutrition is pretty impacted. We supplement a lot of her nutrition. She has a very hard time gaining weight. Um, Her delays are mostly in the physical realm. Um, She can walk, but the wheelchair is to assist her with fatigue and with uh, stamina. So she can go about a city block and then she gets tired. So in the footprint of her school being larger than a city block, you can imagine that if all of her energy was going just to get from point A to point B, there's not gonna leave energy for her to learn. Yeah, so she's using the wheelchair daily at school to get from point A to point B, um, and then once she's in the classroom, she's up and out of the wheelchair and and interacting with her peers. Um, So, the respiratory equipment at home she's got five pieces of respiratory equipment which is a lot but we use one daily which is the bipap at night to help her breathe she doesn't um, process co2 like you and i do Um, so long term if she were to not have the bipap she would end up having co2 poisoning which is not good yeah um co2 poisoning can result in hallucinations even more decreased appetite appetite 
decreased cognitive abilities, just a whole host of issues. Um, ultimately, a person could pass away from that really long term. Um, so we knew the respiratory part was impacted once we got her actual genetic diagnosis and knew that was something to address right away. So that was a little bit of a shocker to be like, oh, respiratory therapist is going to be calling you and bringing all this equipment into your house. And you know, all of a sudden, you look like a hospital. A hospital, right. Yeah. And when she gets sick, uh, we pull all out, pull out all the other machines, and literally we do look like a hospital. Rolling cart of all the machines. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And you know, we. My husband works from home, uh, so he's able to flex his schedule a little bit to take her to appointments. Um, but when she does get sick, then I take time off of work, and we just kind of tag team it a little bit so that there's you know one one of us kind of next to her the whole time and and she's probably more susceptible then to getting sick then and she yep very much is so hygiene hand hygiene um is very much written into her IEP and she's got a fabulous para everyone that sits at her lunch table everyone gets a squirt (laughs) so yeah yeah and you if you see us at a restaurant everyone gets a squirt at our table (laughs) I'm sure people are like... That's good hygiene habit anyway to get... <laughs> I know, but we get looks every now and then. You're taking it to the next level and, and um, needing to. Yep. Can you share with us then your story on... You know, you shared um, with us information about Lily. Thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate that. But how did you become a legislative advocate then? Sure. So Cure CMD, Cure Congenital Muscular Dystrophy, of course, had a... Um, family conference in the summer of 2017, during which I met some families with my daughter's same subtype of CMD that I'd just known online before. But meeting them in person was totally inspiring. Um, One family in particular, the Manly family, the mom is Maddie, who's my podcast co-host now. Um, She and I clicked that at that conference and kept in touch afterward and they kept trying to figure out ways to see each other in person again. Obviously I live here, she lives in Washington State, she's in Spokane. And so it was about October or November of 2017, there was this opportunity that came up from Rare Disease Legislative Advocates to participate in Rare Disease Week on Capitol Hill. And I said, Maddie, what do you think about this? And she's total introvert. And she was like, I can't do that. I'm like, yes, can. We can do it. We can go, we're mama bears. We can go advocate about our kids. So we both kind of on a whim submitted our applications to do it. Both got selected for our states. Um, and so that we went February 2018. Um, I th- There's this thing that when we've talked to other advocates, you walk away after having spoken to your federal legislators with this completely empowered feeling that if you can talk to your federal legislators, you can do most anything. And so we left that experience wanting to do more. Um, We didn't know what to do. We knew we weren't really writers, but we knew we had a voice and somehow wanted to use it. And so from that, that's how the podcast idea came. That's awesome. We'd been listening to a bunch of podcasts while we were both traveling, 
you know, me from Iowa and her from Washington State. And I said, let's let's try a podcast. We and we our husbands are both tech oriented. I think they can figure out how we can do this remotely. And the remote part's actually been like the easiest part of it. Most of our guests are also not from here. So it all just kind of came together. And by May of 18, we were launching our podcast. So that worked out. And so the name of that podcast? Is Two Rare Mama Bears. I listened it, to some of them. They're pretty cool. Great episodes. Thank you. It is entirely meant to be what it sounds like. We are rare disease. Talk about rare disease. And we are mama bears talking about how we're going to advocate for our kids. Um, then... Maddie and I led a group of advocates to Capitol Hill this year, um, 13 advocates from across the state, or across the states, excuse me, um, to Capitol Hill this year, which was great. It was one of the bigger delegations of rare diseases to go. So it was, it was pretty cool. So we've been able to um, extend our reach. That's that's great. Good for you guys. Um, for our listeners, we will have a link to your podcast. It's uh, curecmd.org slash podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I've listened to, to many of the episodes. Very good. So kudos to you and to uh, Maddie for taking that on. It's very recent then that you've been doing this. So. A little over a year. Very, very good. Wonderful. Can you share with our listeners, um, as we were talking about ideas for for doing this podcast, um, kind of topics that we could touch on? And um, you talked um, and said you had a mental list kind of in your head started about things that a parent could do to hopefully navigate the chapter um, in their lives and make it less stressful. And actually, I'm taking these words out of your your writing, but um, kind of um, helpful hints or tips that other families and caregivers maybe who are just starting this journey or mm-hmm. anywhere along you know this journey that might be able to help them out if they um, kind of get that feeling that perhaps their person they're caring for is um, beginning to be mentally or um, disability you know milestones they're kind of missing or falling behind so uh, that was kind of going to be our main topic for today if you'd uh, want to share with with us some of those um, tips yep I think for any parent or caregiver, if you're starting to notice that uh, your um, child is having differences of any type, this uh, list I'll kind of run through uh, are things, use it as like a helpful task list, if you will. Um, and these are things that I picked up along the way um, that maybe I, when I reflected back, I wish I would have known. I wish somebody would have gave me a list or that in talking to many, 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 many other rare disease families that they wish they would have known. I mean, you all, you, you, when you get to know other families, you have that conversation of what was your path like? You kind of start to hear common common themes and so that's kind of where this has come from well in hindsight you know you don't know as you're going through it or if you feel like you're alone or you Mm -hmm. know and everybody's kind of siloed it seems and so having a community to share information with is so valuable so I think this is going to be some really good information and you always always want to make it easier and quicker and a shorter time frame for the next person so um, take that for what it's worth and I hope that this can help somebody so um, the first thing 
that I would suggest to be a valuable piece is um, maybe the first moment or the first day that you're starting to notice some differences or delays. Start to take videos or photos um, with a date and timestamp that shows that um, delay or difference so that you can show that to a medical provider. The reason I say that is that um, sometimes a medical provider may not believe you at the first mention of a, a delay, um, but if you have it captured on a video and your the date timestamp is documenting when it was happening, say it was a month ago and it, it took a while to get into that provider, you've got something to kind of back up what you're saying. And the, the child may not display that during their oh, checkup. Yeah, it's like and they're taking your car to the mechanic, right? The light we're dealing with that right now. Our lights are off right now, but <laughs> they're back on. You know, before I hit home, and yeah, they're and doing the best they can. You know, in the short amount of time, but you're with your child and know them best. Yep. And if you have a bank of those, if you've got five, six, seven of those, that's really a neat idea. Yeah, it's gonna help to substantiate what you're coming to that provider with. Um, something I've experienced recently and kind of throughout the course of the last eight years of being in this life is that um, requesting all records from one provider to go to another provider doesn't always mean all records. I learned that the hard way. Um, and so I learned to keep, uh, well, it used to be a binder. Now it's kind of moved to a Google Drive now that everything's electronic these days. <laughs> pull it off of my chart or any electronic medical record, pull off the PDF and I stick it into Google Drive. Used to be a binder. Anyway, um, of all of my daughter's medical records, so that when I, now I pretty much have all of my daughter's uh, medical providers under one health system. But if you're a person that has medical providers under multiple health systems and they don't don't all talk to each other and they don't always share quote all records if you've got them all in one spot and you can easily take it and bring it with you and share it that will make your life easier that's a great idea because you assume that they're sharing that all means all right and they have access to everything and yep it doesn't um the next one is Seek out your tribe of family, friends, and neighbors to have your back, because um, you're gonna need them. Um, these individuals may not understand exactly what you're going through, because their life is may not be like yours, but you're gonna want to know who that list of folks are that you can call when you need to lean on them, when you need help covering bases at home with other life things that are happening because you need to run your child to the next appointment. You need to run the person you are caregiving for. And you know, you could be caring for the generation above you mm-hmm. to an appointment, but you still need basis covering covered at home. And in that moment, if you can't think of who is on your short list to call, because you're just so focused, if you can pre-plan and think of who your your tribe, for lack of a better term, is um, that you can quickly call. I think that would be something that would be a benefit. That's a great idea. I mean, I don't even know some of my kids' phone numbers, which is sad to say, but you know, anymore these days, you know, everyone has their own cell phone and numbers and stuff. And if you can have that on, 
all that information at your fingertips and yep. so when you are like you said needing to rush out or yep. trying to accomplish many things at once you don't have to or in a, you know god forbid if an emergency happens and you need to run out with that person it quickly knowing there somebody else here this i still need to be with and who can i call really quickly and i can't think so right because many yeah. you know there's more than one kid in the family yep. many times and yep yeah yep good idea so the next tip that I would have is advocate, advocate, advocate for your child because you know your child best. And I've gotten capital letters, trust your gut. That's true, they're all caps here. Yeah. <laughs> um, if what you're hearing from your provider is not sitting right in your gut, uh, I would say seek a second opinion, uh, even seek a third opinion. Um, I found this myself, which is why we spanned two hospitals in two states to try to get to a diagnosis with our daughter. Um, doctors and clinicians, um, some t- so in medical school, physicians are trained with a saying, if you hear hoof peats, it's probably a horse. Uh, but in the rare disease world, we would love for physicians to be trained. If you hear hoof beats, it could be a zebra, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so lots of times doctors will see what present, symptoms present and think it's what they're used to seeing, whereas it could totally be something else, which is why you might ultimately need to seek a second opinion because you're not being heard. And that gets frustrating, right? So if you're running into a a doctor or a clinician that are not willing to listen to you or take your opinion seriously, uh, it's okay to dump them. It's okay to fire them. Trust your gut on it. Well, I think that's hard for people to do because they're the ones that went to school or have that medical degree backing. You know, it's hard to question them. It is. But that's so very important. As you said, a rare disease is something they don't see that often. And right. thus, it's not a horse. It's a zebra. It could and be a zebra. Could be. And it they could, pr- might be a horse, but it could be a zebra. And you can't just get to that specialist, you know, immediately. You need to jump through the hoops to, to start at your general practitioner and wait to get moved along. So, Well, and for example, if a child has what presents to be sensory processing disorder, there could be a multitude of other things that are also happening alongside of that, but a physician could only be trying to treat the sensory processing disorder. But at home, that family could be experiencing a quality of life that is not great, because they are dealing with a number of other things that are undiagnosed, whereas if that child was referred to the proper provider could who then could diagnose fully what's going on and help that family with greater resources and strategies the quality of life for the family at home could get a lot better so advocate trust your gut if something's not sitting right in your gut ask questions it's okay to ask questions right you're the parent you're the caregiver and same goes if you're caregiving the generation above you ask questions that's some some good advice. And 
if you're a first-time parent, don't feel guilty that you might come across as a first-time parent. I, you know, I, I hear that at times from first-time parents that I don't want to seem naive. It's okay. You're a first-timer at this. Ask questions. So, those are some some great ideas so far, and we're not done with our list yet. No. Nope. <laughs> um, one of my CMD mom friends, Lainey, has a blog, and I quote literally quoted her on this because she just said it beautifully. Uh, she says, "If and this was in relation to their diagnostic journey and kind of some of the feelings she was um, experiencing toward the beginning of." Well, toward the beginning of once they knew they were diagnosed. Um, She said, give yourself time and be gentle with yourself. As a parent, you have time to take in the information that will help your child and process your own feelings about it. These tasks are two completely separate things, and it's okay to grieve, and you're not being selfish. So when I talked to her about that afterwards, she said, um, for her, she had to grieve the loss of what her and her husband thought life was going to be mm-hmm. all your dreams and hopes you know yep. life is not perfect but everybody kind of has yeah and digest what new life your new normal your was going to look like and that she was feeling guilty taking time to grieve that until she realized it's okay and, and it's okay to take time to do that um and it's okay to process the things separately to take the information in take time on that and then to process what new life would be separately and i was like man you're smart <laughs> well and it's not only for the care the caregivers or, or parents but every family member too yep you know and it's all probably looks differently for everybody what their process looks like like grieving the, the stages of grieving and stuff so I think that's some great advice. Um, I'll get that link to the blog and put that up as mm-hmm. well uh, so the our listeners can, can reference that. That'd be great. Um, and this is just in general, not just related to this very topic, but taking care of yourself in order to be a, a good parent to anybody uh, or to be a good caregiver, even for generations above us, you have to take care of yourself. So taking care taking care of the caregiver. So if for you, that means going on a walk, listening to a podcast or an audiobook, in a, even if it's 10 minutes a day or it's 20 minutes a day, finding somewhere that you can recharge your batteries. Self-care is so important. You can't care for others if, if you yourself aren't being cared for. And that's very hard. I think many people struggle with that because you think you can just soldier on and their needs are more important than yours and yep Maddie and I have talked to each other that for us doing the podcast with each other is our little bit of respite almost and it's kind of cathartic that it's just time that she and I can just talk it out we need we both record in our basements so it's like we escape to our basement and go have our little bit of counseling with each other one how wonderful because it's not only for each of you but for everyone listening yeah. as well yeah. i mean that just kind of multiplies and yeah it's been definitely a cathartic experience for us so and have you it's gotten been, what kind of feedback from your listeners uh it's been great there's um there was another family conference for cure cmd this past july 
And so that was fun being able to see faces to the names of listeners that give us feedback on social media. Um, that was cool. That was, that was great. Um, the feedback has been a lot of identifying with what we're saying or giving us suggestions on topics they'd like to hear. Um, mostly a lot of identifying with, I was listening to your podcast and I literally threw my hands up in the air going, yes, (laughs) exactly what I mean. So yeah, that's That's wonderful. That's been fun. The the reach you're having and the impact is awesome. Very good. As I said, I've listened to um, a couple of your podcasts and have it now marked and I'll keep listening to them. So that is wonderful. I appreciate that you guys are doing that. And just so quickly you saw the need for that and just took it on like two mama bears. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta tackle it. So before we end, Megan, would you mind sharing a favorite story time memory or book with us? Yep, actually brought it to show you, Jen. She is the first one that's brought her book, you guys. Oh my gosh, I wish you could see this. <laughs> so it's um, a little golden book from uh, probably the years gone by, early, early 80s. It's Cinderella, and the cover is no longer even attached. <laughs> um, but the funny story of it is my mom used to read it to me. Uh, and I would make her read it to me over and over and over every night and she tried to skip pages and I would catch her skipping pages and then I numbered the pages oh. so I'm pointing to Jen where I numbered them in my what maybe six year old handwriting so that I could point out to her specifically which pages she was skipping oh, that is awesome and um, my mom's been on a cleaning out the house journey lately and uh, we found this, I don't know, five or six years ago, and she was like, do you want your Cinderella book? <laughs> Look, it even says it was 69 cents. Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, I now am the proud owner of my little kid Cinderella book. It's been well-loved. That's awesome. I tried to read it to my daughter, Lily, and she was like, I don't like princesses. Oh. So I'm not allowed to read Cinderella to her. You can keep the treasure for yourself. There you go. I've thought about, should I tape the cover back on? But, you know, it adds to the charm. I think so, too, just <laughs> as is. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks, Megan, for sharing your story and ideas for other caregivers who may be uh, themselves going down a similar path to diagnosis. I think this is going to help a lot of people out. This is the Stork Storytime Talks podcast from the North Liberty Library. And today we talked with Megan Meyer about options for caregivers and advocating for children who may be experiencing delays in their development. Visit curecmd.org slash podcast to listen to her Two Rare Mama Bears podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Mercy, Iowa City.